So first of all, a little announce, announcement. Um, I have ordered the books um, tonight, like these, for our next study. So when we end John, which I hope will be next somewhere in the next... No, <laughs> no, I want to... I, I definitely want to end it somewhere probably October or something, or even, you know, we'll see. Because what I like to do is go, we're going to finish 17 tonight, and then I'd like to try to see if we can just do a chapter a week, 18, 19, 20, 21, and then we're done, okay? Um, we will probably have, um, we'll probably take a week off, at, um, I'll tell you more later, but at the end of September, I think the last week in September, um, we'll take a week off um, because my wife and I are She's going to be on vacation. We don't know if we're going to go anywhere, but I'm just going to spend the yeah. time with her. Uh, and then we're going to get started. And so what book are we going to go into? Romans. Romans. We are going to go into Romans. All right. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and we've never done Romans uh, in the men's group before. So I'm, I think it will dovetail really well with what we've been doing with, um, with John. And actually, it was it was really Andrew that started the little seed in me, because he's got this guy, the the pastor up in yeah, that I was that he had me listen to some of his messages and stuff. And they're doing I don't know if they're done yet, but they're they they're doing which I thought was really intriguing. They're doing Romans backwards, so they're starting with twelve to fifteen because obviously that's where you you get like okay, how do we now live this out? And then the going backwards. We're not going to do that, but um, we might do some jumping around. I'm not sure yet. I'm just really myself trying to immerse myself in Romans right now and sort of get an idea of what we want to do as we go. As we go so, Can you imagine it will take less than five five years? Uh, maybe. <laughs> but as I keep saying, either that or Jesus comes. I don't, <laughs> know, which, I don't know which one. I kept thinking with John he was going to come. I thought with Hebrews he was going to come. Hasn't happened yet. Um, and, and so tonight uh, we are going to finish 17 but before we do that um, question for you just as a little <laughs> reminder for us who've been in John so what is tell me what is the key theme of John what have we been what's the sort of the key thing we've been uh, overall focusing on as to what John is trying to do in his gospel Make us, aware, make us aware that Jesus is God. Yeah, okay. And that he's going to be resurrected. And what's the th- what's a theme that we keep hearing over and over again in John? Believe. Very good. Believe. All right. So, John, if you remember at the very end of John, which, we'll, which we will get to soon, he actually tells us the purpose of him writing, which some of the other books of the Bible don't tell us. He actually says, I'm writing this. So that you will believe, and I'm going to sort of paraphrase, and keep on believing. All right. And what is the word, what's the Greek word in Pistis, pistis, okay. Which, we are going to see that word a lot in Romans. But it's not going to be the word, it's not going to be the word believe. What is it going to be that we hear that word translated like in Romans? Faith. Faith. Excellent. Okay. So when so the word 
the word pistis gets translated both believe, sometimes I think trust, and it gets translated as faith. So when you're reading faith, think pistis. <laughs> when you hear the word believe, think pistis. Okay. Um, so one thing I don't do very often is I don't mostly like play other things here or use other materials. You know, we mostly we try to stay in the word. But I listened to a podcast um, a few weeks ago, and I listened to it again today going, okay, do I want to play this? And I go, yeah, I really do. <laughs> um, because I think it's, a, it's, a, it's only like 10 minutes. It's very short. Um, hey, Steve. Uh, can we get him in yeah, we're yeah, yeah, we'll make I'll be here, Steve. Right? You can get this over here. Yeah. Might have to sit cross-legged. Anyway, um, I thought I would play this because it's something that comes up, I know, in my own walk with Christ. It comes up a lot of times when I'm in pastoral situations or um, is one aspect of our Christian life. And it really, I think, captures... Hi, Jane. So you have to lie down. I shall sacrifice myself. Coach So anyway, I thought I would play this because it's just short, it's like ten minutes. But the guy really captures and he's gonna use the word faith. But he really captures, I think, something that's really important about our Christian life. It's going to be important as we go into Romans. But it really captures this idea, not using the word faith, I mean belief, but faith, in that we have in John. But he captures it in something in Ephesians about what we have, what we need to remember in the Christian life. And it's probably one of the aspects that I see us so easily get wrong. Um, and so I'm just going to play it. And see if you guys have any comments about it. Um, it'll be a good introduction as we close off, then we'll close off John 17, okay? So I'm not going to tell you much more, just listen. Why don't you, if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians 2. I'm pretty sure for this. See how I do. See if this works. Alright, so Ephesians 2, if you got it. Alright, here we go. Title today is an important one. You get this wrong, faith alone, and really it changes your perspective of God and the Bible. You go from one who's begging and uh, receiving only to one who's offering back to God as part of not only your salvation, but the relationship that goes on. And uh, I would say there's two aspects to our understanding of the gospel and our relationship with God that we get wrong when it relies on faith alone. Many people embrace, yes, we are saved by faith alone, but we don't think that's how the relationship continues uh, and sustained, which is also by faith alone. So in this episode, I want to talk to us about how we are in relationship with our king and how we function in the kingdom and the only way in which it is possible to find ourselves to be sustained while doing this work is by faith alone. Is by faith alone. So let's start by what do we mean by faith alone? Sometimes when you listen to people talk about this subject, it sounds like their faith is in their faith. 
right? I, I know I'm a Christian because I have faith. Well, no, that's faith never saved anyone. Um, Mormons have faith. Jehovah's Witnesses have faith. Atheists, you know, and they believe in themselves, so they have faith. <laughs> Everybody has faith. It's the object of your faith that saves you. When we say faith alone, we're saying there's one object, there's one power, there's one being that can save, and that's one, that's, it's, that's that one power alone. Jesus alone. No one can come to the Father unless they come through me, right? And Jesus then sets the terms by which you come through him. What does he say? He says, come to me by what? Faith, by believing. And that's so important when we're talking about sola fide, faith alone is what that means in the Latin phrase is we are pointing to an object saying, believe in that person alone and you will be saved. Do you believe in anything else, including yourself, then you have no hope because there cannot be any additive. Um, I'm going to read to us a famous passage and it's, there's really two parts as I said before, we're going to talk about the salvation part, then we'll talk about the Christian life. And I know a lot of people really buckle under here because it's like, well, now you're basically making it sound like you can live however you want because of faith alone. No, that's not what we're saying. Very famous passage of scripture. Uh, this is Ephesians chapter two. And he just got done explaining your circumstance. <coughs> he uses so many languages, right? He uses, uh, sorry, sorry, word pictures. He uses things like death, dead, you are blind, your your body is in the grave, um, you are only following Satan. You know, it's like, how many illustrations does he need to give? And then he gives you the object of salvation. He gives you the person of salvation. This is verse four. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, here's the key. He made us alive with Christ. Now, that's the part we somehow miss, that if you put your faith in Christ, it's because God put that faith in you. He made you alive. And what's the evidence of your, what's the evidence of your new birth? What's the evidence of your life? It's your faith. Well, why would you say that? Because if you keep reading, he goes on to tell you, if you have any other evidences of that, then you have reasons to boast. All right, let's just keep reading. He says, by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him. So he's telling you all the benefits that you have. Verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. What's the gift of God? Faith is. That's the antecedent. Faith. Uh, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. So the way you entered into this relationship is that it says, by God's mercy, but God being rich in mercy, reached down, brought you to life, and in that life showed you the glorious power of the gospel, which is Jesus, through the proclamation of the gospel. And in that says, child, believe. And when you put your faith on Jesus, you were the demonstration of his mercy. That's what it was. And some some of you might be thinking, well, that sounds like Calvinism. Well, uh, you know, sure, Calvin helped clarify that. But this is very clear in Jesus' teaching as well. If you read John 6, no one can come to the Father unless what? The Father brings them, unless the Father draws them. And who does Jesus lose if he draws? He says he loses none. So when we're talking about faith alone, we're actually missing the whole argument. I, I know where the battle is because what people are worried about, they're worried about, well, John, if you really teach this, then people will just say, I said a prayer, I walked down the aisle, I wrote down a card, I had a moment, and now I'm good. Well, that would be very complicated because that's not how it's presented in Scripture. Read the next verse, right? So once God brings us to life and he brings us this new um, spirit being in us, the Holy Spirit, 
He says this in verse uh, 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before that we should walk in them. Where does that come from? That, again, that's right on the heels of not of works, lest any man should boast. So he's like, I brought you out of death. I put my spirit within you. I give you a new birth. I also put faith in you. You now have the benefits of faith, right? The benefits of faith are what? All of Christ. And part of my work in you, you were created, this new creation, to do good works. So I think we should be heralding sola fide all the more. Because if someone remotely at all reflects good works in their life, it's not because of them at all. So that anyone may boast. So I, I just think it's interesting. So let me ask you this. If someone is in your presence and you're looking at them and the way that they talk, the way they act, it's, there's not the evidences of someone who had put their faith in Jesus. Okay? Like they're an unbeliever. Are you going to go over there and tell them they need to be doing good works, that faith alone isn't enough? Is that the gospel that you're going to give them? Because that's not a gospel. That's condemnation. If you tell somebody (coughs) that faith alone also requires obedience, then you're missing it. You cannot require obedience. That is to require something of yourself. Then some people are going to throw this um, argument at me. Well, this is a let go and let God. This is all this is. You're just going to kind of sit back and wait for the Holy Spirit to empower you. Uh, No, that's not what Paul says. Because if you keep reading it in chapter 4, he's like, you can be duped. You can be tricked. And you can definitely fall back into sin. So what do we need? I think it's fascinating. What saves us is what sustains us. Paul says this to the Galatians, right? How did you begin? Then this is how you continue. We begin by faith alone and we continue by faith alone. Um, I think it's interesting that uh, in Colossians, he describes who they were. This is Colossians 2. He describes who they were dead in their sins. Then he describes how they were brought to life. And then he describes all the benefits of who they are in Christ. He goes, and I insist on these things, that you continue to teach and preach these things. I insist on them. Why? Because Satan is the father of all lies, and he wants to come in and not, he can't change the Bible, but he can cause our minds to be clouded with pride, and all of a sudden we want to take credit and be involved in it. If you ever get to the point where the gospel doesn't offend you, I think you are now comfortable with a false gospel. The gospel should always offend your flesh. It should always yell at you saying, stop trying to prove yourself to God. It's offensive. It's horrible. It's grotesque. God, you're asking God to pass up on his son. You're asking God to pass up on the righteousness of us. You're asking, you're telling God that the death of his son wasn't sufficient, that his plan was wrong, that somehow your obedience is going to be involved in that. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be involved. I am not going to stand before the Father and say, yes, we appreciate Jesus' death. He got it started, but, you know, I needed to obey to make sure I did my part. That's what it sounds like. And I'm sorry, but that is not the good news of the gospel, right? Um, I think Ephesians 2, 8, 9 may be the most clear portions of scripture that are in relationship to our faith in our relationship. I, I want to get to the second part, which is the ongoing obedience. Um, man, when to say that Christians are obligated to obey or... To say that Christians should obey to prove themselves, that is not the God I read of. Man, I could not imagine having a father like that. I just, I couldn't imagine treating my children this way. That they have to obey if they want to keep my affection and keep my relationship with them. Could you imagine living in a home like that? And yet we expect God to treat us this way. We don't treat our own children this way. And yet we're, we think God treats us this way, that he is examining us now, that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Now, does God 
a desire and even command us to obey. Absolutely. But what God commands, what God requires, he supplies. Read verse 9 again. He, he, he what? He created us for these good works. Right? It's why it's called the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of the flesh, not the fruit of discipline, not the fruit of your effort. When you do good works, where are they coming from? The Holy Spirit. And you need to acknowledge those. And how is it that God grows the power of the spirit in us? He says we walk by faith. Remember, the object of our faith is Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the what? The the one who began our faith, the author, and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith, right? And as we do that, we set aside the sin and we set aside the weight. So even after you have been brought to life and all of your acts of obedience are done by faith, without faith is it impossible to please God, right? That's what he means by that. So if you're going to come to him and think that somehow your good works and the sustainable of the sustainability of your good works over your life is what God's going to use to accept you into his relationship or into his kingdom, you're doomed because you now have reasons to boast. You have reasons to boast. I think it's no mistake that the man on the cross next to Jesus is in paradise with God today and had no opportunities to thank him, to prove to him, to obey him. He was dying as a thief and woke up in the glory of God. What a powerful thought. I don't think that was a mistake. I don't think the Apostle Paul was a mistake. The man was killing Christians. I don't think Peter was a mistake. What does Jesus say? Satan wants to sift you. He wants to take you out. But I prayed that you won't lose your faith. And Peter gets all, you know, messed up. Like, I, I won't, I'm not going to mess up. He's like, before the day's over, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. He goes, but when, I love this, this is John 8, but when you return, strengthen your brothers. Why? Because the man's going to be humbled by his own words and his own strength. And in the strength of the Lord, he's going to go to his brothers and say, look, but by God's grace, who I am. Look where I can be. And what do we know about the three times Jesus asks Peter, you know, do you love me? Do you love me? It's a reminder, Peter, you're here because I love you. I loved you first. And the only reason you can love me in return is because I loved you. Jesus has given us so many reasons to trust in him alone. So remember, it's not faith. It's faith in Jesus, our object alone, that will save us, sustain us, and glorify us. Um, I know I came off kind of hot, but my encouragement to you is this. I'm going to close with this. If you're sitting here and you're like, John, I just, I, I don't have faith. I, I'm having a hard time believing that. You know what? <clears throat> Satan does this a lot to people. He gets up inside our flesh and our conscience, and he accuses us. That's why he's called the great accuser. So you just have to ask yourself this question. Is Satan stronger than Jesus? And if he is not, then you trust in the ultimate power in the universe. And if you, with the half a percent of faith, can say, I believe Jesus is powerful enough to save me, he will. It's not the quality or quantity of your faith. It's the quality of the Savior. And he's a perfect Savior. Hopefully that was encouraging to you. Hopefully that will sustain you through this week. If I don't see you in glory, so... Okay, I didn't take a breath. I know. Well, well did, well, did you have it on speed, speed it up? No. No, you yeah, really? Actually, I, 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 I couldn't, couldn't catch yeah. it after about... But do you, understand, do you see the point that he's making, which I think is really good going through John, is what keeps us, what we are saved by is also what sustains us when we are to live by. And that's what I just see the Christian life we so easily get wrong because we're saved and then all of a sudden we have to keep thinking, we have to keep working at it. We have to keep doing it all on our own. And we, whenever we do, we just fall. Um, and I just thought he put it really well to, well about how, and I was listening to something on Tim Keller the other day too, that 
actually your wife <laughs> suggested, um, on Tim Keller talking about the same thing. It's like we become we become Christians, and then we try to show everybody we're doing all these good things, and but we're doing them on our own. We're not doing them through our faith in Christ, through the Spirit in Christ. And so I just thought it was a really good reminder about that's our temptation as Christians, I think, so much, is that we just want to keep doing it on our own. And really to say that's not going to come through our own. We have to keep calling on Christ, not just to save us, but to sustain us. So I don't know. Any other thoughts in listening to that? I don't understand. You said uh, we're going to do all these good works, but not through the, not through the Spirit. Not through our... That's right. what drives good works. That's what way? That's what drives good works, I think. Yeah, I mean, what... I mean, you're we, saying that we're doing all these good things, but not in the, in the Spirit. That's right. If we're doing if we're doing a bunch of good works, okay, because we're just trying to do them, or we're not doing that from the faith that we have in Christ, and from, through the power of the Spirit, God looks at that and does not... It's like, that's not the good works he's talking about. That has to come through our faith. It has to be part of our faith. Does that make sense? You, you're, you're, you said what he said. <laughs> you, you said what the, what the speaker said. The good works are a result... Of your oh, faith. Right. Yes, that's right. what I'm trying yeah. to tell you. I didn't hear Greg say that. Y- yeah, the speak the, the guy said that. Yeah. That's what that's I That's what Greg was saying. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When were you able to understand that? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I don't yeah, know. You joined Dr. Fast. And Sapphires. Not like Not like Ananias and Sapphires. Yes. Not like them. Yeah. Ananias and Sapphires. Yeah, they're not, like them, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, it's like, that's not, that wasn't good work. No, no. Because well, it was because it was hypocritical. It was hypocritical. So if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. Jesus says, "When you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. They just want people to see them and be, you know, known for their many words. Or when you fast, don't fast like the hypocrites. They just want people to see them. And so that's like doing good things without the right motive. Right. Which I don't know if that's necessarily what we're talking about now either." Right. Well, I was playing out the good works. I, I, I didn't think it's about, but I was trying to. What you guys were just talking about right now with with the faith, and, and I was just trying to point out that there's a lot of people that do a lot of things. And I don't know if they're doing it for the right reasons. Well, and I think that's part of ways getting at. Even as Christians, we have to look and say, are we doing that through the power of the Spirit, through our faith? Is it, is it coming from that? I mean, even the. Sermon of the Mount. I love it because how's the Sermon of the right. Mount start? Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Everything, all the rest of the Sermon of the Mount that tells all these things that we are to do that are evidence of, the, of showing the fruit, we can't do that unless we're constantly poor in spirit. Constantly relying on God. Constantly relying on the Spirit to get us through the things. Yeah. So is the test uh, come down to I'm going to do these works so that I can be glorified. <laughs> that's the test. Well, yeah, if you're doing that, then See, that's, then that's, right. that's the hypocrisy is, is that why am I doing it? I, I'm doing it to gain approval by those around me and where I'm at. That's, that's the false right. path. That, yeah, that's the hypocrisy from the Sermon on the Mount. But then there's uh, the book of Revelation, the warning to, I forget which church, but Jesus commends them for their good work. Mm-hmm. But then he says that they left their first love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he says, Your works are kind of greater than they were before, but 
you've left your first love. So it's like they made, they were doing good works, which maybe is commendable, but they they weren't operating out of the spirit like mm -hmm. we were talking about. Yeah. If it's a personal reward, it's the wrong stuff. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, I've been out of the LDS church for a while now, but one of the things that I tell people, and one of the main differences, there are several, but um, in Mormonism, you do good works to eventually become saved, and in Christianity, you do good works because you are saved. Yeah. So it's a different <laughs> outlook of life and how. It's a way to put it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That simplifies it down. Thanks. Hey, was he talking too fast for you guys? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's your. No, I mean, I, I think it. I think it's a factor of age. Uh, I, I couldn't keep up with it. And um, as as in, in in relationship to age, I think the older I've gotten, the more I realize I can't do anything on my own. My body is. Uh, if I wanted to do something for somebody, which I do, it's. It's, a, it's hard. It's an effort. And it has to be done in prayer and it has to be done wisely. Because uh, uh, when you're trying to go fast and you're trying to be something, you're, uh, you're missing the boat. Um, would you rather do one thing wonderful, wonderfully for somebody or would you like to do ten things for ten people and do them superficially? It just no matter where your your focus comes. I'm, I'm yeah, no, no. Can I say one thing? Uh -huh. um, this morning, Dale and I meet with uh, other lifeguards, and we had a really deep discussion. And one of the things that came up is how we have different masks that we wear during the day, depending on our circumstances. And so, as a husband, we have a husband mask. When we go to work. We have a professional mask. When we go to church, we have a church mask. And so these different masks are constantly being put on depending on the circumstance that we're in. And so I think the ideal is having one mask and one real mask, and there's no real two. There's just one, and that's the genuine person that you are. But in society today, there's so much judgment and and who's accepted, and what are the criteria for being accepted, that we kind of subconsciously put on these different masks to, to suit the circumstance. And I think the goal is not to do that, to be genuine in your walk to, in the very beginning and stay there. The reason why that is is because of fear. Yeah, of being rejected. And you know, we want acceptance. If you read in Revelation... Well, actually, here's a better one. The Bible says 365 times, be not afraid. Yeah. Um, and what happened, I believe it was, I think it was Samson. What happened to Samson when he was afraid? How did God handle that? I, I believe he was punished. He got his eyes plucked out. <laughs> I, I think so, it was Samson. So, God doesn't really, God looks down on fear. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think, okay... We all have this conversation, like, you see someone or whatever, you, you want to deliver the, the good news or do the right thing, you know, walk by the Spirit, and you say, well, you know, I could, but I don't really want to bother her or whatever, you know, bother him. And that's fear talking. And who, who's talking? It's Satan. Mm -hmm. Feeding into that fear. Mm -hmm. And so, 
when it comes to doing the real good works from the Spirit, you cannot be dismayed by fear. Um, so, it, as you said, if you want to really wear one mask, don't be afraid. I mean, if you walk in a righteous path and you know you're right, people are, you know, maybe maybe they're insulting your God around you. Oh, yeah, Jesus, okay. And you just kind of sit there and you go, oh, okay, oh, yeah. How do you think God's going to, re- you know, respond to that? You have to be true and steadfast and just say no. There's, so there's a responsibility to the walk. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And anyway. that's confirmation of the faith. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is that what in Ephesians where he says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath? Is that what he means? I don't know without looking at it. <laughs> well, it says in the Bible, you can be angry, but you're not sin. Yeah, is that what you need to hear? There's something about wrath. Proverbs talks a lot about that. All right, anyway, just thought a little commercial break there until we get started. <laughs> something just to keep in mind, because I just... Um, be angry and sin yeah, not. There you Let go. not the sun go down upon your wrath. There you Neither go. give place to the devil. Yeah. Is that there you go. It, I mean, that's what really what right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Be angry, but do not sin. There you go. All right. Well, let's turn to seventeen. Um, and again, so we, um, for those of you who've been here, we pretty much already covered seventeen um, one. Uh, definitely one through five. Um, what I want you to keep in mind as we look at this and we read this today. Um, yeah, I don't even know if that works, actually. Do you need light, Eric? No. Okay. Um, so, I want us to, the main thing I want to focus on tonight is the last part of 17, because the prayer is divided into really Jesus praying to the it's all to the Father, but talking to the Father. Then he prays for the immediate disciples, and then he, what's interesting is he prays for us. Alright, and I want to sort of look at that um, tonight. So, who would like to, I want to just read all of 17, because we've sort of been in and out. Last week we had Billy here, um, which was awesome, sharing his testimony. Um, so, who Anybody who would like to read all of 17, um, just one big swoop. All right, why don't you go ahead. These things spake Jesus, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, oh, can you read here? Can you yeah. read ours? Why don't oh, you read? I'm sorry. Yeah, you want to read this version? Is it ESV? Yeah, read ESV. Sorry. 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 I think it's hard to follow. I'm sorry. You're fine. You're fine. I thought I was in the ESV. I'm sorry. All right. Sure, they'll be beating. Yeah. <laughs> and returned as well. We get a hot foot. Uh, the high priestly prayer. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. 
and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. <clears throat> For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and that they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, <clears throat> which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Amen. Just as we read that again, you guys, is there anything, <laughs> is there anything that just sort of sticks out to you and just hearing this again? Anything you hear him repeat? Yeah, verse, anything that just verse twenty-six. Twenty-six. Uh huh. He says, "I make known, I make known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. Mm. Continue to make it known. So uh -huh. he's continually working on us. Yeah, through the Holy Spirit. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I also and see we, it. yeah, sorry, I also see a lot of unity. Mm. Uh huh. Yeah, there is. Is mm -hmm. there? Yeah. Right. Good. Yeah, and I like, and when you were saying, um, and I will continue to make it known, I mean, if you think about it, we're all here tonight on Tuesday night because He's people in Christ have continued to make it known for 2,000 years. Yeah. And now yeah. we're supposed to be the ones who continue that process of making it known. Um, yeah, good. 
So you talk about unity. What what sort of structure? Well, just how um, Jesus is always applying the Father with him, as you and I are one, that me and I can be one. So, including everybody, and yeah. how the relationship between He and the Father works along with He and the disciples. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. I and you and you and I and I and them and them and you and blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> yeah. But that's it's it's in us, you know, the Holy Spirit, not around us. It's around us, but it's in us as well. Yeah. So yeah. that we can speak it, we can live it, we can think it, we can breathe it, we can share it. Yeah. Good. Other things strike you guys, and just hearing that again. There's all the unity, and there's all the humility yeah. of Christ. He's as we heard uh, Daniel just in exclamating, Father, 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 numerous times. Jesus is the one who created all there is, and yet he is bowing before his Father. And in just the uh, model of his humility. Supplication. guess that's a good pattern for us. Very good pattern. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see... Um, the, the glory of Christ in here too um, where in verse 5 it says glorify glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed right so he had this glory before the world existed and then in uh, verse 24 it's it says father I desire that they also um whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. So he's he desires that we see his glory. You know, and it's this glory that was before the foundation of the world. He's desirous of that. Which is cool. Yeah. Not to put you on the spot or anything, but how would you define glory? Well, we should, we talked about this, right? <laughs> yeah. We talked about this. Yeah. So, um, how how would I? You know, we talked about like the Shekinah glory, the the light, the presence of God, glory. I I would think like when we really behold the glory of Christ in heaven, not just now. I think now we can can get glimpses of it, mm-hmm. but I think really the glory of God, if experienced in our flesh. The response would be like Daniel, you know, Daniel in the book of Daniel, where he fell down, he like passed out, right, because of the glory. The glory was just so strong that he passed out and he had to touch him and say, you know, strengthen him basically. Because he just, all the strength just left him. It was like so powerful. And Isaiah, um, Isaiah yeah. chapter 6, in the presence, and he's just like, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm, uh-huh. I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. Like, he didn't faint. But it was like the temple was shaking, and he was, that's glory. And then um, the same thing happened to John in the book of Revelation, where I think he fainted also. He just kind of passed out, just because the glory is, that is, I think, the glory and then maybe the transfiguration was like a revelation of glory. Mm-hmm. Those are some examples. Yeah, so, so yeah. The, the, this whole chapter is about, it's all referencing glory, right? Glorify yeah. me. Yeah. 
that I have glorified you, that you may glorify me. That that the, the ones that you have given me may glorify me and, and in turn glorify you and so on. And so it's a cyclical glorification, right? It's one feeding into the next, into the next, into the next. But what is, what's the crux of this entire chapter? And what, what, what is clearly defined as glory instead of just like some sort of interactive momentary sort of sensibility of it is the reality of perfect oneness. It's that, it's the unification of us with God, of Jesus, who he says here, as you noted, that he wants us to see his glory where he is. He knows earlier in here where I am, which is at the right hand of the throne of the God, even as he's speaking in the garden, right? So he's speaking of eternity in present time, right then and there, for always and forever, and that is the glory that we are looking to attain. So somebody had mentioned his modeling, which uh, I think that too is part of that modeling. That, that idea of glory, the idea of oneness now, eternally. I, I, mean, that's, and I think it's connected to what Steve was saying too about what's our response, sort of what you're describing it. Our response is ultimately humility. Just realizing who worship. Christ really is. Worship. Yeah. Response again. Worship. Yeah, Eric. Really, this is an example that the relationship exists because his submission to the Father. Yeah. And so that's, that is the relationship, this continual submission and doing the Father's will. And so I think submission can only happen as a result of his grace for us. Grace is the ticket that we can enter into submission and, and develop the relationship. Well, I think it's pretty interesting when when he's talking about the disciples and he says, I'm going to give like a couple different parts. Those of whom you have given me. Where are you reading that? Uh, I'm going to start at nine and kind of just okay. like trickle yeah. down. No, go. Those, of whom, those whom you have given me. And then he says, while I was with them. Then later down the line in 14, he says, the world has hated them. In 16, they are not of the world. Um, and then, I have sent them the world. I consecrate myself so that they may be sanctified in truth. And it kind of goes back to, like, the, the glory and the oneness. You're kind of seeing, like, you know, Jesus is realizing, like, you know, I, I am the Son of God. I, like, you know, I'm so much bigger than, than these humans that are around me that are following me. And, you know, my glory that I'm about to go through is something that, like, you know, they, not only can they not comprehend, but, like, they're just not, they don't understand that. And I think it's kind of interesting how you pointed out to the oneness. This is, like, the oneness between, like, God and man. Like, it's their one, it's their one little journey together where, like, he, he's praying for them, and he's more praying for, like, their clarity and their understanding, and so that they can be saved from the world when he's gone, because they, he knows that, you know, they've taken this massive leap of faith by following him, <clears throat> and, you know, he's about to be gone from this earth, and he's praying for them that they can still have their oneness and still try to, you know, attempt to find their glory, however God is going to push them, because he's not going to be there for them to follow. So I thought that, like, oneness yeah. part. Uh, like, yeah. 
Very good. Because he knows that he's going to leave with them the spirit. Yeah. So the spirit will be in them, and then they'll be one and the same, right? Yeah. But until then, they don't know that. Yeah. And in, only until they see the resurrection. Yeah. Well, because their whole their whole thing is like they have only known like, oh, I'm following Jesus. He's the Son of God. Like this yeah. is happening. They're yeah. just living it. Right. You know what I mean? They're they're watching it. Yeah, they're watching it happen. They're they, not in it. Yeah, they're not like us. You have like yeah, whole, yeah, we, yeah, we got like yeah. plenty of stuff to look at. We're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is yeah, what happens. Exactly. They have no idea. Right. So like, okay, once he's gone, how do I live? Like, what's what's the point of my, what's the point of my well, deal? And that gives more just, credence to his words because he says, "In me, and I in them." Yeah, because he knows he's leaving them with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you going to say, Gil? Okay. Just imagine the adjustments that they had to go through, which were. Uh, so much coming to understand the betrayal and everything that occurred and trying to get their ship righted at the same time seeing all these things happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're only in season one of, you know, <laughs> yeah. OC Housewives. You know, they haven't, they haven't seen the whole season fall off the air yet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, interesting metaphor there. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> Any others and anything you're seeing in there? A negative. The what? A negative. And you've seen a negative? Uh huh. Um, 23. I am them and you in me that they may become perfectly one. Mm-hmm. Uh May and perfect. Uh huh. That's that happens like never. Mm. Oh no, I don't mm. think that see that. Except in short subtle <laughs> glimpses. Glimpses. Well, we don't know, do we? We're looking into a glass, glass darkly. We don't see what perfection. Why don't the Presbyterians come to our church? Why don't we go down there? <laughs> why? Why do we have really strong families split? Why do we have pastors that <coughs> walk away? When I first came to this church, I'd been here only a little while. And yeah, when was that? Yeah, just give us context. Sixty-six. Uh, this so <laughs> yes, so wow. he came to this church in '66. Yeah. So in '69, uh, Marilyn was pregnant, um, eight months pregnant, and we own. For those of you that know Pine Castle at the north end of town, our church had bought that building, and we were going to. They had a whole big plan for Pine Castle. Um, the elders wanted to buy it. The deacons said no. The elders bought it anyway. We had it for about a month. <laughs> and the city said, you can't do all those things. So nobody thought this through. So the next Sunday, all the deacons... The head of the church, oh. the pastor, all left. 
gone. That's perfectly encourage your story. Perfect, <laughs> perfectly one. Yeah. Yes, except that. But what you you were speaking about it about perfection is not necessarily here. He doesn't necessarily well, mean that here. Who's he talking to then? Yes, but they they have their journey isn't over. Their journey is going to go on and on and on and on. When are they going to become perfect? When they are on the other side, or when they when they are well, absorbed I'm, into him? I think the yeah. challenge here is for us as yeah. a group here today. And I just, I've been run over so many times in my lifetime, I'm sort of afraid to step out on the street anymore. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you really are pointing what, why they say that they may be The words are nice, one. but the practice is difficult. Right. Yeah, so they may be perfectly one, right? Yeah. Why do they want them to be perfectly one? So in other words, he's not saying we're going to be there. He's saying that's where I want you to go. That's your destination, right? Right. Yeah. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as I, even as you have loved me. And what's one of the biggest criticisms of the people who have been in the church and then leave the church, and you say, why? They go, because there's all this turmoil. Not turmoil. Oh, a church is definitely not immune. True story. Politics trouble on every yeah. church. It's perfectly what well, doesn't necessarily translate into a group of people going to that. You don't have to be a group of people to do that. You can be with one by yourself. Well, with, uh, well, with you don't need to go to church. Yeah, I, yeah. I was just saying. I mean, here that. he's talking about yeah. the, the body. church, the body, yeah, the yeah. body of Christ, yeah. and how can but we? You don't need to be together to have that same purpose. Well, when you say you don't need to be together to believe, Presbyterians believe, we believe, they all have the same purpose, the same focus. That's being one, in my opinion. Yeah, no, got you. Same belief. Yeah. Good point. I think the point here then is by perfectly one, it's really not necessarily that we have to all be exactly. one church. Yeah, I get you now. But I think what Dale's talking about, well, even just doesn't happen between the two churches, it happens within a church, right? Which is how much do we value that Jesus is praying? You listen to this prayer, and he really has one main prayer for us, which is to do exactly this. Yeah. That one how is. do we. Stay one, so the world will know that He is Christ. That's the one. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the heart. Yes. Oh, well, and that, and that, that yeah, speaks to what your guy spoke to. We don't do that by any means, other than our faith in, in Jesus Christ. And and He's just through this prayer. All we got to do is believe it. It's already done. It's it's said. You just have to believe. That's all, and the oneness will happen. And just stay in that. Well, don't you think we are? We, we as a group here are all one. We leave here. We've come to. Um, we've been in the teaching of the Holy Spirit, and we leave here, and we each go on our way for a week. We are linked in Christ because we're taking the. We're, together, we're taking the teachings that we're getting, and we're. If we're paying attention, we're bringing them out to the world as a body. We're, 
So how do we as Christians not be so what you just said, Gil, I mean just how what is what do we do as Christians to show the world that we're not one? What is it we do that shows the world we're not one? We live in the world. The negative part. We what? We live in the world. We live in the world, okay. And what do you mean by that when you say that? Not of his world. Okay. Right. We, we, sep- we separate ourselves. We sin. We separate ourselves from God. Yeah. I think the more we focus on Christ as we go through, after we leave here, the more more we focus there, look in His eyes, go through, the more we will be able to be the one that He is using through all our bodies to transform people. I mean, I don't know if that's too no. vague. I think that's exactly yeah. correct. Well, that's exactly what Eric was saying earlier about the mask that you put on around, like, yeah. you know, you have your mask here and your mask at work and your other mask here. Like, you know, it's all about fear. Like, are you scared of it? Are you scared of acceptance? Are you fearing that? Or are you just going to, you know, stare right down the barrel and pull the trigger? Can I share, and, share actually, a little... Actually, that's a lot about... How much will I comply to the world to be accepted, rather than standing firm Mm -hmm. in your walk as a Christian? Yeah. That's the one mask that we need to learn to wear, is I'm standing firm on what I believe, and I don't need to be something that I'm not in these other circumstances. In our discussion. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Good. Just Just something last us. No, no. (laughs) No, Like it was we rationalize compromise. Yeah, that's what we were talking about in the car. That's so what you talking about? The what? We were talking about compromise in the car for like a Irrational. We just rationally, yeah. Just so, describe that. I mean, when you say that, what, what what comes to your mind? Oh, it was just people? like kind of what Eric was talking about. I was like, um, I, I don't know, I just felt like I shared that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's so, good. It's your, it's your mask that you have, and then all these other things that come up in the world, and are you trying to be accepted into the world, or are you trying to be accepted by God and through Christ, or, you know, what what side is pulling at you when, and for what reason, and, you know, some things in the world now, it feels like, you know, you kind of just got to go along with, because it's just the world, and then you just end up, like, that snowball just rolls downhill, and doesn't turn into an avalanche, or do you stop at some point, point? and it's like, where do you stop? It's worth noting that the disciples, before they were all killed, the, the Roman soldiers in particular were telling him, like, listen, we won't kill you if you just tell us that all you were writing is just a bunch of baloney. Just tell us. It, just say, just denounce it. That's all you got to do. And they're, like, torturing him. And, like, all you got to do is just say that Jesus mm-hmm. wasn't the Son of God. Just denounce everything you, writ, you wrote, and you're free to go. Not one of them, not one of them denounced it. They all endured the torture. Peter got crucified upside down, right. Paul got his head chopped off, you know, they all suffered, like, gruesome fates, and they were given that option to just say, just tell us that you were just lying, and they didn't, and I was telling this to a bunch, of, like, there's this atheist I was speaking to, and he's like, I don't know how I could believe the Bible, and blah, 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 and I said, dude, 
not one disciple went back. After torture and being killed, they never went back on what they saw. That means what they saw, they believed. Because if you saw Jesus performing miracles in front of you, and the U.S. military kidnaps you in the middle of the night and says, you didn't see that. And you're going, yes, I did. And, they're, and, they're, and that's God you saw. You're going to endure torture. You will, just like they did. Yeah. So part of it is it's the battle, like you said about fear and all the masks. It's, it's this battle we have with faith. And it's Satan trying to cloud our faith with fear and just say, like, you're going to be looked at as, like, an outcast. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. You sow the seeds of doubt in you, you know? Yeah, and I, hold on, hold on for a minute. Sure. I don't want other people talk, and I will get to you, Jason. Um, mm-hmm. Who hasn't talked? Anybody who can, who you can say anything? Or you? I do have something. Um, what he was just talking about, I just wanted to say, um, so the disciples were being humiliated when they prayed to God for to be glorified like in the exchange which you two talked about five and you talked about humiliation and the resurrection and being exalted do you feel that the disciples were being humiliated and praying to God to be glorified does that make sense what I'm yeah, trying to I, say I, yeah I mean I think that yes they're praying to Christ so that he will ultimately they will be able to see his glory I mean he but they're also trusting him too yeah if you substitute the word clothing for the concept of mask, it turns to a positive instead of a negative. Because each of us have a whole series of clothes that we wear one place but not another place. And so people can identify us as belonging. If we yeah, if we never compromise our clothing, if we never compromise our mask, no way. Just the pragmatic self. There's a, there's a lot of clothing analogies, like clothe yourself with the righteousness. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Clothe put yourself on, with the armor of God. Put on the armor. Put yeah. on the. Yeah. I mean, if you if you go to Rome in front of St. Peter's Basilica, there's a statue of Peter with dozens of arrows in him. You know. I told you guys my, my story about the catacombs underneath Rome and how I came to be saved. This is legit. You know, these guys witnessed God in the flesh. And they were writ, willing and able and more than happy to be run through. Get to not lines. denounce his holy name. True yeah. story. Yeah. That's trust. Yeah. All right. Are there anybody who has on the same thing? I just want to make sure. Yeah. Keep going here. Jason, you were going to say you remember, sorry. I just want to give a timely anecdote about this. It's just fascinating to me. Um, so I'm, I do the Solace Festival, and it's about, there's like 225-ish members, something like that, and voting members, and uh, they have a board of directors. Um, that's a volunteer situation. You have to be elected for it. And, and it's a, like, this, it's just... <laughs> it's a huge deal, and it's ridiculous, but it is, and um, and it's it's super political, and there are factions of like scheming, nasty, <laughs> evil, demonic groups saying making up horrible, terrible things just to sway a vote. I mean, 
as a character-defaming, relationship-dividing, terrible, absolute, crazy lies, right? So I ran for the board. And, um, <laughs> so you what? So what? I ran for the board. Yeah. <laughs> so, so John, John went and said, this year I want you to run for the board. You, you guys will be able to get something done. So, um, and, and, and I, anyways, long story short, I did it and this, all these things happened. And one of the big things that they, that was, uh, going against me was that I was too religious. So, that mass thing, I make no qualms of where I stand. And, and there's a, a good solid group of people there that do the same thing. And there's, it's just across the board. I, I, I have full on church meetings in my booth in the middle of the day, no problem, whatever. And say prayers out loud, get down on my knees, whatever it takes, right? So everyone knows, it's very clear, but that was one of my, the negatives against me, along with some other absolutely outlandish, terrible things. So, um, Anyhow, yeah, I, I won. Well, well, so, you're, yes, you're the mask that you wear. He's not worried about us. Wait a minute. Is the fierceness for Christ. And you live that mask. It isn't a mask. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not a mask because as you believe it and as you live it, it becomes real. It, this is precisely right. Yeah. And this, this is, this is this, the fear. Right, the the actuality of this being lived out in the world around us. Right, so we are not of this world. So we don't participate in the things of this world because if I did, I'd be running around trying to counter all these lies. I'd be getting upset. I'd be, you know, what, you know, trying to, you know, you'd be not working to trying to have unity in one thing. And, but and and as a result of all this, so I get in. So you're on and, the board and, now. I'm on the board now, and the result of this is is going to be unification. And th- it's suddenly it's the thing that everyone is talking about. I don't have to do a darn thing because Jesus is doing it all, and it's just taking this little microcosm of the world and taking it from something that was that was horribly upside down and beginning to write it. And I'm not saying I'm the cause of it. Jesus Christ is. But the only reason I'm in there, my, by, by, by the way, my speech, you have to give a speech, and everyone weighs it heavily. My speech was abysmal, it, like the worst thing ever. That's my Achilles heel talking about myself in front of an audience. It was, it was like I was sucking into this tunnel, and I was falling. It was awful. And anyways, yeah, so nonetheless, and it, was, and it wasn't my doing, that's for sure. I was going to say one thing with uh, the unity here, and it was kind of brought up uh, by a few people earlier. Um, coming out of the um, LDS, when you're, um, if the missions, missionaries actually go to MTC Missionary Training Center, and they will learn, like, what did the Baptists teach, what did the Presbyterians, what did the Lutherans, what did the Catholics, so they go through all that, and that is to see, see, your church teaches this, your church, you guys cannot get along. Hmm. But then as we see it coming through, um, the Baptists... Um, your denomination, I hate the word denomination, but that's yeah, it whatever it is. is. Um, you know, the oneness that we have is our object who we believe in. You know, the Lutherans may not have the musical instruments, I don't know if they do or don't. Um, or, you know, it's our faith in Christ is the one thing that unifies all of us. Yeah, amen. You know, and I think that's, yeah, I, I love that because I think that's one thing I try to remind myself of. Someone said this one time, but really hippie is don't put adjectives on. Christian, you know, yeah. you are not. Don't say you're this Christian. An adjective trying to say I'm a 
I'm a evangelical Christian, or I'm a Catholic Christian, or I'm a this Christian, or that. You're, you're a Christian. You have faith. If you have faith in Christ, you're in Christ. That's it. There's no need to put an adjective or any descriptions of the end of that or before that. It's this is who I am in Christ. You know. And just one last thing on yeah. the Latter-day Saints of the mission. I don't know if the missionaries here go to door to door. They still do in Mexico. But if you have guys have a chance to offer them something to eat or something to drink, offer them something to eat or something to drink because that's where you can have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Our job as um, Christians is to plant seeds. The Holy Spirit's job is to do the same. So they will remember the good that you guys have done. I went on my mission in Arkansas, so it was rather interesting. Yeah, I bet we yeah. <laughs> we we have ours just right up the street. So oh, yeah, nice. yeah, they do. Um, yeah. There was a young girl hit by a car in town. Uh, actually, she hit the car. Uh, she ran into the side of a car. It took uh, about a baseball size out of her skull. And she was in a coma for basically 25 years. But the first week she was in the hospital, um, another member in our church said to me, we should go pray for her. So we organized, we just started making phone calls, not to people in our church necessarily, but to all the people. We got them together. We met at the hospital every Thursday night for a year. Um, at the end of that, one of the guys that was coming said, we should do this more often. And so we formed what was called Laguna Christian Fellowship. Oh, huh. And for three years we met, every other month, with somebody from each of the churches in town mm-hmm. encouraging others to come. Yeah. The least support we got for that union of the body of our main goal was to be able to uh, help us as Christians in town recognize each other that's going to be one of the problems we're going to start next week we're going to have two two services services, (laughs) and I've been asked a lot well which one are you going to go to Uh well if you just go to one then you get to know the people in that group and you don't know the people in the other group. Yeah. Well, that happens within our town. So we walk past other Christians at Ralph's and don't even know they're Christians. Yeah. What happened? The most, the most difficulty we had was getting the pastors of the church to oh. support that. And even the pastor of our church at that time said, this won't last because the other pastors won't support it. And he didn't either. (laughs) So it was, it makes it really difficult for this perfectly one, united all the time, because we don't even, if we don't wear our uniform in some fashion, then others won't recognize it. So whatever Jason's doing at the festival grounds, those who aren't Christians recognize it anyway because he's wearing a uniform that they see. Yeah. 
And the uh, uniform has to be our, our, the way we act, not the way we speak. I mean, the way we speak, we'll speak yes, yeah. but not, but not uh, evangelizing as much as being the example of... Well, people. whatever includes that concept yeah. of a uniform. Yeah. 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 Eric, you Virtue is a reflection of the sacred in your life. Hmm. And so... Sacred means those are things you will not compromise. And so, what is virtue? Virtue is being honest. It's ethics. It's playing by the rules. And so, when you do that, then there's no secrets in your life. You're 100%. And so, to kind of support what Jason is saying, that He's standing on the virtue of his being a Christian. And that's the rock that he stands on. And there's no compromise in that. And when people don't see any compromise, they see power and strength. And that draws them in, and they want what you have. And that's the power that your leadership is going to provide. And, and with, with the imperfection, though, the frailty, the, the, the faulted human, right? That's also very clear and visible. Mm -hmm. So they know there's something way beyond me because I'm faulty in lots of but <laughs> countless ways, right? Mm -hmm. And they also know that. But how does he have that? You have the sacred that he's not you afraid will not of compromise. Us. And the fact that you won't compromise those values is your power and your strength. Mm -hmm. And that's the power and strength for all of us, is understanding that there are certain things that are sacred and they cannot be compromised. That's where the power and strength comes from. They have a lot of confidence in what they can expect from you because you're set. You know where you're going to go. Well, whether they, they, on one hand, they hate it, that that purely comes down to my belief in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. That's all I got. I can't offer anything else in They're terms gonna of that. They're going to want that. That's the whole point. But, but that's the thing. That's the mystery that they don't get, because it's like, <laughs> it can't be that simple. Well, sorry. <laughs> it is. I'm not that complicated. I'm pretty lame. But without that, I got nothing to offer you guys. Honestly, that's the only confidence that I have even doing that role. But you're putting yourself out there standing on your principles, and that's the power that will carry the day. Right. And that they, it's like this undermined, they look at that and think, that that's what, that's the shepherd. I'm going to vote for you for president of the board. <laughs> Are you a voting member? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know you could be. <laughs> All right. Others? Anybody who? I'm kidding. Any other thoughts? I have, I have yeah. A little, yeah. something to share with you guys. It's actually kind of cool. It's, a, it's good news. So I, a few of you were at the, um, the service last week, and the song I played here, I played at the service, and after I got done, um, I introduced him. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was, was funny. funny. But um, I um, uh, thank you for this. It, this is not about that, but there are some people who compliment me, and a lot of people in this room. Uh, and I wish he was here tonight. Tom came up to me and said, I actually got to see the words up on the screen, and that's a lot deeper than I thought it was, <coughs> uh, than just recognizing the people in the church in that one-hour description. And I say, yeah, it is. And I... I 
but I'm not sure what it is. And then when I went home, I thought about what he said, so I looked at the words, and I saw where it says it's all in this room. And then I thought about what you guys taught me since I've been here for a year, because I kind of came in here kind of naive, and I thought about what you guys taught me and about the Holy Spirit. And I said, and I think I told you about, you know, my last trip to Whitney when I woke up at the Kern River and I saw the moon, and I was like in tears, like, hey, this is it. This is what's going to strengthen my faith. But all the time... At the end of 21, when I wrote that song, I already had what I needed because I wrote that song because the Holy Spirit, there was something in the room that time when I walked in besides your smile and the worship band that made me write that song that made me feel, that strengthened my faith and felt like the Holy Spirit was there. And Tom was right. There was something deeper. It was all in that room. And so... It was interesting to me to think about that, and then my daughter came to refuge last night. She's 16, and you know I told you that my son's kind of getting on board right now with the Bible study I'm hosting on Sundays at my house. And it was interesting. My my wife goes. We went to Ralph's after we picked her up at the ref, refuge, and um, she came out, and my my wife says my wife kind of had tears in her eyes. She goes, Leah has something to tell you. Really scared. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> Is this good or bad? And she said, Dad, I was in refuge tonight and I got to talk. She's real nervous about talking mm-hmm. and she's nervous to read too. And they got separated in groups and she came up here and she had to talk. She got to talk and she says, My dad, you know, has really been studying with the Bible group and she's really, really, he's really into this and he's kind of started his own and and then he just played at the church, and I got to see the words, and she said, she told him, she goes, I didn't trust God at first. I wasn't sure. She goes, but right now, I do, and I want to be saved. And Amen. and we went home. Um, it, it was awesome because, you know, I don't know if you know, you know this, I won't make it too long, but my daughter, we adopted her when she was just a baby. And we went home in the garage before we went to the house, and we held each other and we prayed, and she prayed for her mother, her parental mother, you know, for giving her up because of drugs. And um, she prayed for her, like she forgave her. I mean, we had her, I mean, I've never known Leah, I don't even think about her as being adopted, but we had her when she was like a week old. But we, she prayed for her. And uh, I just, I don't know, I thought I'd share that with you. I just, Thank you. Uh, and, I, and I think that it's this group that enhanced that feeling I had, you know. You know what's neat about, you know, saying about that? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much, and for your song, too. Yeah, I think it was just, it, what was neat about your song is, and I didn't reflect until right now, is because it mentioned all these different people, the whole thing, it, it's, I felt like it sort of brought us all together as a family. Yeah. I mean, it's just sort of neat. I mean, I, I, I had a sense of, because I mean, I heard you singing up here, and I do agree, having the words on the screen, yeah. really helping, I never really listened, really listened to the words before, um, but it was just neat to, to have sort of that sense, like, hey, we were all, by you naming these different functions and stuff, and different yeah. people, and, uh, yeah. it was just neat to see they were all one. But I will say, Ken, I'll just say this to you, the joy to me, seen your wife and your daughter Sunday. I mean, I just look at them and they are just beaming. Mm. 
seeing you up there. And I just go, they are so happy to see you where you are. And I just sense that from them. I just, with your wife, it's just a sense of joy that um, I've really seen that in her. And just, she was just shiny. (laughs) Shekinah glory, you know. I mean, your wife is just shiny on Sunday. It's just awesome. Well, and it makes me feel because I perform so much, and you know, we 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 perform because there's two different sides to it. There's the part of the audience, and there's there's the band that interacts, and it's kind of that's really special in performing. But what's really cool about the church is that if I just touch one person in a Mm -hmm. way, and I have a when those those compliments come up, not like. Hey, you're this, you're that, whatever. But when those compliments come up and say, like, you know, you lifted me, that just really, that blows me away. It's like I touch somebody in a way, and it makes me feel like I'm doing it for the right reason. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It, and you, I, you play with such, I, I have to tell you, I just love watching you play. Yeah. Because you play with, you, 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 you're incomplete when you're doing that. And what you're saying, and, and, uh, uh, you bring so much. Well, from the heart. It's a gift of God. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but it is, it is a gift of God. And um, my, and talking about my wife, thank you for that. Um, I am. We wrote a song. Uh, I wrote a song about my son in um, the late '90s, and I performed it here at the church. And I'm going to probably do that song. And it's on. A, it's recorded already. And, um, Jody recorded it on the album with me, and I think she's going to... I'm trying to get her to sing it with me. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. She's a little scared. Grace was like your angelic voice. Is she amazing? Yeah, that was amazing, too. She just has, like, this counterpoint harmony that I just... I don't even under... She's born with that. I'm going, do you know what you're doing? You're singing counterpoint. What is counterpoint, Kenny? I go, okay, let's... Like, she just... It it comes naturally. She kind of completes it all, you know? She's good. All right, well, any, I mean, as we're sort of getting to the point of wrapping things up, anybody else as far as comments in, in this? Um, good discussion, you want to nail as far as some negatives to get there. That's good. I like that because I think that's the... Yes, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. One more thing. It was, this, it was the contrast. The contrast between those who are his and those who are of the world. Mm-hmm. The contrast there because there's another, you know, there's two groups. Mm-hmm. And so those that are his, those that are Given him, right? Those that I think it says they receive his glory, and then they, uh, the words that he gives them, so that others would believe. But there's two separate groups, yeah. And um, you know, one group, the world, hates him. They hate his disciples or believers in him, and so those opposing forces. And he specifically says at one point, I don't pray for the world. Yeah. Right. And so he specifies, I'm not praying for, but I'm praying for this group. So the, um, you know, it's nice to be in that group. Right. Of course. And who knows, you know, who knows who's in that group until the last day, really. Um, I mean, like, it's, um, you know, or who he's gonna who he's gonna save, but there is those two groups. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to kind of clarify, see if we can clarify that a little bit, because I was thinking about that all day today because of something that was said on a job site like a week ago. Um, 
someone said, you know, well, God loves this person. And I retorted and I said, well, God loves every one of us. And I was thinking about it today that this is not an exclusive club. But obviously in the verbiage here, you know, God has graced us, you know, as his own. But I couldn't help but think all day that the club is really up to us and our free will to choose to be in it or not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and I retorted, you know, to that person that said, God loves, you know, this specific person. I said, well, God loves all of us. And and it's really the, the deciding factor is, do we choose to focus and love God? Do we choose to take ourselves out of ourselves and put our focus not on ourselves but on God and love Him? Because then that's reciprocal. And and then you're in the club. You know, and it's to me it's that simple. It's just it's like it's like a no brainer. You know what I mean? You know, it's it's, it's just like a no brainer if you're if keeping you're a trying. line of communication open and focusing on him, not focusing on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And really to me that that's it in a nutshell. Well, grace is the door that's always open. Yeah, 100%. Let's close. I want to show you, just actually just remind me of it. Um, If you guys look at verse 8, so if you want to know how do we get, how how does one become part of this group, (laughs) the ones that Jesus is going to pray for, that we come out of the world and we're actually, we are Christians. I mean, how does that happen? Verse 8 sort of is like, almost like in a one sentence, describes how we become, and when we hear that, the, that already the Father has called, but how do we ultimately do what you just said? Receive the Receive truth. that. Yeah, exactly. So listen to how it works. It says, Jesus says, For I have given them the words, and what are the words? The gospel, this, okay? I have given the words that you gave me. He's talking to the Father. So the Father has given the words to Jesus. Jesus has now spoken those words to the disciples. But just the speaking of the words is not enough. What has to happen? But you have to speak the words. Believe. (laughs) He then says, and well, before belief though even, it's interesting, it says, and they have received what you just were saying. They have received them. What? They have received the word and have come to know the truth that I came from you. So you look and you go, what's sort of the process of of people coming to belief in Christ? The first thing is they have to hear the gospel. They have to hear the words. Then they have to receive those words. Then they have to say, yes, I know through hearing this that Jesus is the Christ. And then the very last part, and they have believed. And then through that, I believe. So you sort of see this. Tom brings this up. He's not here right now. Tom brings this up in Romans, right? Faith comes from hearing the word of God. I mean, it's like you see the sequence. It's like the Father gives the words to Jesus, who gives the words to to his disciples, and the disciples have to become a disciple. You have to hear the words and receive it for yourself. You have to say, yes, Jesus is Lord, and through that you believe in Him. And you heart does wonders. You know, so. 
I want to thank you all for being who you are. My my life is much richer because of all of you. Oh, mutual. Same with us. All the way around. Same with us. Mutual support group. By the, by the way, wasn't it kind of neat that it was more dark tonight? <laughs> I know. I it's very it's cozy. All of a sudden, it really feels like you can see getting dark really quick. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It's going down. Yeah. Yeah. It's going down. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate you guys. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you guys allowing me to be here tonight. I'm glad you could be here. Um, yeah, thank you. I'm hoping that um, I'll keep. I'll send Greg an email. Let you guys know how I'm doing. Please do. Where do you live? I'm homeless. I was on my way. Yeah, yeah, I was on my way home two years Saturdays ago, but I got um, the police in Mexico got me. Oh, so they took pretty much everything I had. All right. Was it a corrupt thing, or they just yeah? So right. So it's a state of Baja. The police report that I had to file was from the the state agency that covers or investigates police corruption in Tijuana, and they told me that 60% of the cops are good, 40% are bad. So, see, I have no way to I live in southern Mexico. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right, well, let, me, let me pray, and I will... Um, Jeez. Hey, Greg? Wow. Yes. In your prayer, yes. would you cover a prayer for the Matthew Purdy family? The Matthew... Purdy. P-U-R-D-Y? Purdy. P-U-R-D-Y. He was the TCU student that got shot in the head. Oh, hmm. I don't know if I've heard about that. Sure. Did this just happen? Yeah. 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 Oh. oh, I don't think I heard that. He was a friend of mine. He was in the Bible of the Oh, man. Mm. So, was he killed then? Yes. So, it's a Matthew Purdy family. Shot him in the shoulder. He went down. He shot him in the head. And he told the cops, he said, I just want to make sure he's dead. Now, he killed more people, but I didn't have any more bullets. Oh, my gosh. So, Matthew Purdy's family. So, Matthew. Senseless, senseless. Where was his name? Was he on campus. He was a taco uh, paper signature bar. He was a taco bar. So taco in here. Alright. Wow. Okay. Alright, well let me close. Father, um, just thank you for this night. Just thank you for all the guys who come here, Lord. And, um, we know that this prayer of yours, Jesus, there's no way this prayer can even be remotely answered without us completely relying on you. As Eric said, by your grace alone, faith alone, words alone, it's all you, Jesus. And you said that we can do nothing without you in everything we do. And we do pray for the Matthew Purdy family, Lord, just that you will start out just blessed of those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We just pray, Lord, for them that you will comfort them in just as horrendous situation. Pray for Matt, Lord, that he will get um, all the things that you have for him, the finances and the place to stay and everything, um, and return soon back to his fiance in Mexico. And I pray for Rod tonight, um, who we, I just praise. He was telling me before he came up here that um, this is Rod up here next to Gil. Just praying for Rod that um, he's found a new doctor that sounds like he's going to be able to get the surgery he needs and get that quickly. With, right now, I think it's on the 20th of September. So I just pray that you would just continue to give him the strength um, and just protect him as he walks around this town and pray that that will happen on the 20th and that he will be fully healed for them, from that. I continue to pray for Gil um, and just for both of them. 
both of them actually you guys were sitting next to each other on the couch today. I just pray, Lord, that you two will be able to stand up without those canes. That would be blunt. Just without those canes, Lord. And you will be able to they will be able to walk and even run. Lord. So just heal both of them fully. We just thank you for being our Lord, our Savior, our high priest who is hearing these prayers that you prayed for us. You hear our prayers. You take them to the Father. And through the Spirit, you answer them. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.